Hello team and welcome back to the Simply Fit Podcast. Today I bring you some incredible news. I have been working on a secret project for the past three or four months now and I now can tell you that the brand new follow along workout channel is live and here. On this YouTube channel, you're gonna find workouts for fat loss, muscle building, improving your cardio health, flexibility, everything is gonna be on there. You're gonna find body weight workouts, dumbbell workouts, kettlebell and resistance bands workouts, all that you can follow along with. And the best part is that it's completely free. They're also around 10 to 20 minutes long, meaning if you're short of time, you can quickly complete an effective workout or you can combine like two or three of them together and complete like a full 45 to 60 minute workout. New workouts will go live on the channel every Tuesday and Thursday and they're gonna be accompanied by an amazing backdrop, which I'm sure you're all gonna enjoy. So if you wanna find the channel, just search Elliot Hassoon into YouTube and you'll find it very easily. And please subscribe. It makes me very, very happy and it helps the channel grow. And feel free to tell your friends, your family, your pets, whoever you want to share this with and let's work out together. Welcome to the Simply Fit Podcast. I'm your host, Elliot Hassoun. In this podcast, I'll be looking at three key questions related to fitness, nutrition, and mindset. I will break these down into information that is easy to understand and actionable so that you can apply it to your life today. This podcast will give you all you need to improve your health and well-being once and for all. So sit back, listen, and most importantly, take action. So we're going to kick this off with probably the most frequently asked question that I get within my coaching. So I think it's a good place to start. And it's Elliot, why does my weight keep fluctuating? Why does it go up and down? I'm doing everything that I need to, but sometimes I just wake up in the morning, it's 0.5 kilos heavier, it's 0.9 kilos heavier. What am I doing wrong? I'm getting disheartened. And that tends to be the way it goes. So my response usually starts with something like this. And first and foremost, the, the first thing that you need to remember here is that your journey is not linear whatsoever. I've worked with people who are essentially robots and including myself, I'm not always a robot these days, but I have been at times where what I mean by robot is someone who will literally follow the plan to an absolute T, you know, literally weigh out every single thing they consume, train to the best of their ability, do their steps to, you know, the actual number 15,005, whatever it might be. I've been there before. And I've never seen my journey or anyone's journey just go in that downward trend. You know, maybe they start at 80 kilos. It's never been a situation where they're 79, 78, 77, all the way down. There is always fluctuations that happen. So that's the first thing to bear in mind that no matter how perfect you are, you will experience these fluctuations. So this comes down to a number of reasons. And most of the time it comes down to water retention. And without going you know, too in-depth on why your weight would fluctuate in terms of like the individual reasons, we can look at things like your food intake, right? We've got to remember that for each gram of carb that we consume, we pull in three grams of water as well. So if you had a higher carb meal in the evening or a higher carb day in general, then naturally you're going to be a little bit heavy. We've also got to bear in mind food volume. You know, there's a difference between having 100 grams of chicken breast, 100 grams of broccoli versus 400 grams of stir fry, 150 grams of turkey mince, uh, broccoli on the side, and then Greek yogurt to finish, which is one of the meals that I used to eat when I basically would have a kilo of food. We've got to bear in mind that 
that is going to be different versus the first meal that I mentioned. Water, how much water did you drink on that day? And also, how much did you drink in the evening too? If you're a female, this becomes even more of a thing because if you got to bear in mind your monthly cycle, which is always going to impact, well, more, you know, nine times out of ten, it usually uh, comes with more water retention, bloat, and subsequent impact on the scales. Whether you know whether you're ill or not can have a big impact. Whether you trained or not, um, what time you trained, how well you slept. If you didn't sleep too well, quite often that results in a pretty uh, poor way in the next day. If you slept phenomenally well, sometimes you wake up in the morning, you look completely different in a good way. Um, so many different factors to consider here. And what you're probably gauging from this is that our ability to control those on a day-to-day -day basis is so challenging, which is why you're going to see fluctuations. So the first thing that we can do to uh, mitigate getting you know, too lost in the day-to-day is tracking the weekly average. So if you work with me, I will get you to track your your weight every single day. And this is quite a tough one for some people because I know that you know a lot of people have difficulties and not a fantastic relationship with the scale, which I'm actually going to touch on in just a second. But the reason we do this is because if you wake up on a Wednesday morning and your weight for some reason because you didn't sleep well, you had a really late meal, and maybe you're a female who's on your cycle and you weigh in, maybe you might weigh in at like 61 kilos, but you know you have a good sleep over the weekend, finishing your work for the week, and your cycle has passed, you might wake up on Sunday with a 60 kilo or a 59.8 kilo weigh-in. So if you weigh yourself on that Wednesday, you're going to judge yourself on that 61 kilos and be pretty disappointed. And then let's say you just didn't weigh yourself until that next week, you would be thinking, oh, I'm not making good progress. But in reality, your weight's been dropping down. And on that Sunday, you actually weighed 59.8. So in reality, your weekly average is roughly around 60.3, 60.4, 60.5 versus the 61 that you actually thought you were. And that's why I would want you to track the weekly average so we get a better gauge of where you stand. And what I mentioned in terms of I've never seen anyone's weight just go down every single day throughout the process, I have seen weekly averages drop every single week throughout someone's process especially if they you know control the variables to their best of their ability then that's always going to help so the first thing to do here well not even the first thing to do here but the only real thing you want to do is focus on what you can control so in reality there is nothing you can do about that number once it comes up on the screen that's out of your hands there's like literally nothing you can do in that moment to change that number on the scale. The only thing you could do is maybe smash your scales, take out the battery or something along those lines. But what you can control is the variables that influence your scale weight. So like we said earlier, you know, the water, the sleep and all those type of things. And I find this incredibly empowering. So what I find disempowering is looking at the number and just expecting it to change or getting disheartened. And do, you know what actually happens the most of the time? People turn the opposite way. They're like, the scales aren't moving, so I'm going to eat this food, or I'm not going to train, I'm going to skip my workouts, I'm disheartened. But in fact, that should be your incentive to focus on what you can control even more. So there's so many factors to consider here. So we've got our training, we've got our cardio, our steps, so all of the output that we need to do, 
Are we training to the best of our ability? Are we hitting all our step targets? Are we pushing ourselves to our limits within our cardio? What about nutrition? Am I weighing everything to the ground? Am I, you know, am I digesting my food adequately? Am I taking enough chews? Am I doing all this type of thing? How about my sleep? Am I recovering to the best of my ability? Am I sleeping those seven, eight hours? Am I doing my wind down routine so I'm setting myself up for the best sleep possible? Am I hydrating well enough? You know, am I getting those three to four liters in in a day? Am I managing my stress to the best of my ability? Has you know my workload increased recently and I haven't actually given myself enough time to decompress and relax? Once you start looking at those things, you're like, wait a minute, there's something there that I can work on. And that is way more empowering than looking at the scales, getting disheartened and just thinking there's nothing I can do here. And the point I'm trying to make here as well is that you're never going to really have control over all of those variables, but there's going to usually be one or two that you can work on. And what you'll find is you'll start working on that. And what will happen? your weight will start coming downwards again or your weekly average will begin to improve. And that's where you want to put your focus. So rather than looking at the scales, not seeing the number you want and being disheartened, I would encourage you to look at that as a trigger to then look at the variable that you might not be hitting as well as you can. So become inquisitive. Like don't think, oh, the scales are not going down. Just think, why aren't the scales going down? Or if they, you know, they're stagnant, why are they stagnant? What could I be doing more? If the answer is, I think I'm doing absolute everything to the best of my ability, which even as a robot is very difficult, then fantastic. Then you just might have to keep on going. Or if you've got a coach in your corner, you might just have to wait for your coach to make a little tweak to your training program or your nutrition plan, and then the results will continue to come. And then if the answer is, I've got work to do in X place, that's where you go and take your action. You're gonna feel empowered, you're not gonna feel disappointed, and you're gonna improve your relationship with the scales, which is really, really important. And don't get me wrong, I know that it's incredibly hard to look at it objectively like um, just data, which it is. It is just a number. It doesn't mean anything in terms of your self-worth or your value. It is literally just a number. But I appreciate that you know there is an emotional attachment that we get because we know it's not into, you know, in reality, it does relate to the way that we look in the mirror, the way that we feel about ourselves. However, that inquisitive uh, interaction you have with your scales will promote a more healthier relationship with it. And that's what I would encourage you to do. So your weight will fluctuate no matter what. So that's where we're going to summarize here. Focus on what you can control, remain consistent, remain patient, and then it will keep moving in the direction that you're after. So that's question number one, and we're gonna segue into question number two, which is a very, very, very good question. Another one that's really frequently asked. My family and friends aren't supportive of my health and fitness goals. What can I do? And I always start, you know, most people's videos, you know, especially when couples begin a journey like this together, I'm always hammering home the importance of a support network. Two things usually happen in this situation. Either they are the dream couple, one lifts the other up when the other is down and vice versa, or they just, you know, they both go ruthlessly at their goals, they inspire each other, they encourage each other, and they reach their, you know, their checkpoints together, or, you know, a little bit after, but both of them get into incredible shape. That is best case scenario. But what happens quite a lot 
is one will not be quite as encouraging. One will actually not be quite as motivated or committed to get to their goals, and they will bring the other one down. And this can be quite challenging because if, if you are someone who is really ruthlessly trying to persist at your goal, but the person you know you love, you share your home with, you share your bed with, is not quite 100% there, that can impact your journey. Um, but so that's just a give you an idea of how important you know your support system is and now I want to take a step back and answer the question a little bit more closely and talk about friends and family who aren't supportive so I'm going to give you an example of an individual who has just started perhaps they still live at home um, and their family are just you know they're a bit confused by it all so quite often what the first point I would like to make here actually is that it's on you it's your responsibility to let your friends and family know what you're doing and why it's important to you. Quite often, this actually comes from a place of not really understanding. Don't get me wrong, there, there could be an elements of ignorance here. You know, if someone is saying, you know, I'm, I'm signing up with this coach, I'm starting a health and fitness journey, they should kind of automatically understand, but it is on you to make sure that you really allow them to understand what your journey looks like. So when you get started, just say, I've invested this amount of time, energy, and finances in this coach or this process because it's important to me. I want to feel better. I want to look better. I want to live better. And usually, you know, people start these journeys quite often from a place of pain. It's quite sad to say, but it's true. Um, you know, including myself, I started from a place where I was subconscious of the way that my body looked, and most people start from that place. So if you tell your friends and family, if you, I know this is quite a tough one because you do have to be vulnerable here, that I'm starting this because I want to live a more a higher quality of life. You know, I'm not comfortable with the way I am at the moment. And they might be like, oh, yeah, you look fine. But you've got to remember that it's your body, it's your goals, and it's your life. So make sure that that's clear to them. Because quite often, your friends and families, they do want to support you. They just don't understand it quite often. And like I said, there's a there is an element of ignorance here. But it is on you, and it is your responsibility to make sure that you really communicate with them how important it is to you because if they do love and care about you which I would like to think they do but also during these times you may see people who don't that's a you know another story for another day but you'll be able to, they'll be able to support you you know quite often if they understand what you're doing there will be times where it's going to be testing and I'm going to talk to you about my personal experience in just a second um, but eventually if you're consistent and you kind of live by what you say and you stay true to your commitment they'll see it serious to you so even if they don't understand initially and they're quite maybe not as encouraging, they actually pull you back into previous bad habits. Eventually, if you are consistent with your commitment, they will catch up. They will get to know where you're at. But you've got to remember, again, this comes back to the first question, focus on what you can control. You can't actually control another person. You can only control your behaviors. And like I said, they are your goals. It is your body. It is your life. So whether or not they support you or not should not matter. And it's a tough one because if I have to quite often say to people is that you have to politely be able to disregard some of the comments of the people that you really, really do love. And it's, it's a tough one. But if they are not supportive of the direction that you want to go in, you're going to have to have that difficult conversation uh, because at the end of the day, you don't want someone to try to, you know, to be pulling you back into your bad habits because starting a journey like this, 
and the lifestyle change it might require can be a tough, tough ask. And the last thing you want is someone to be pulling you in a different direction when it's already tough enough to be, you know, implementing these, these new habits, these new lifestyles. But what's the most important thing to mention here is that if they aren't helping you out and they're not supportive and you continue to stay true to your commitment, it will make you stronger. You know, it will make your journey even more impactful. I'm going to give you an analogy. I'll give you this one this time. You know, when you think about any of the good movies you watched, any of the time you have a favorite character in a movie, I guarantee you they went through some form of adversity during that. And if it was all straightforward for them, if their journey was just, you know, they were just the hero throughout, it finished with a happy ending, it would be a boring story, right? So it's always good to face some form of adversity. Ideally, you don't want that in the form of your friends and family, but that might might happen and it will make you stronger if you push through despite their lack of support. So I want to give you my example here because it's something I had to deal with as well. And I will apologize to my parents in advance because I'm sure my mom is listening to this now. But when I first started my journey, I was obsessed with, you know, health and fitness. I just loved it. You know, I just loved researching everything there is to know about it. And I was on Google when, I don't know, back in 2010 or whatever it was, probably even earlier, late 2009, early 2008, whatever it was. I would search high protein, low carb diets. I would search what Zac Efron was eating because he was in a high school musical at the time. He was the body I aspired to be, what David Beckham was eating. Those were like, those were, I didn't have the goals of looking like Arnold Schwarzenegger like a lot of people do. Mine were pretty low key in just Zac Efron and uh, David Beckham. So I would spend hours and hours researching what I wanted, you know, what they were eating, how they would train to basically make sure that. I was doing the same so I could get the results they were after, you know, it wasn't as easy to get information. Instagram, I don't even know if Instagram existed then and I certainly didn't have it. it. I was still on uh, Facebook and Bebo, if you remember those, (laughs) I remember Bebo anyway. So there wasn't that wealth of information out there. It was kind of just bodybuilding.com, Arnold Schwarzenegger's uh, bodybuilding encyclopedia, but I didn't really know about bodybuilding at the time, uh, interestingly enough. Uh, So I started my journey. And I started changing my nutritional habits. And it was a time in my life where I was still quite young. I was still a kid. So my parents were cooking for me, right? And they were just cooking family foods. And here I was saying I wanted to eat foods with protein in. So I would literally go into the freezer, see what we had available to us, look at the nutrition labels and see what had the most protein. And I started eating that, even if it was just like breaded chicken breasts and vegetarian burgers that were in my fridge. I noticed that they had... uh, good relative amount of protein to the amount of calories and I started consuming those foods. So I was pretty consistent with that because of I wasn't at a point where I was going food shopping for myself. I was just a very a, a young kid at the time, a young teenager at the time. And I was doing this every day. I was eating those same foods because I noticed they had protein in. And then there was one day I came home, I was playing football and I would ask my parents, can you cook me, you know, my normal meal, you know, the chicken, the vegetarian burger, um, the fish fingers, because I noticed they had a little bit. This is where, honestly, where my nutrition journey began because I thought it had protein in. And they said to me, nope, we're making you pasta because you need more balance in your diet. And this drove me nuts. As a kid, I was like, I can't just eat pasta. You've got to understand it only has carbohydrates in it. I need protein. This was what I was like, honestly, as as a young child, 
I was distraught because I knew that I needed protein in my diet and I knew pasta only had carbs. And it frustrated me so damn much. And I was persistent, you know, I think I ate the pasta on that day, but I was extremely persistent about making sure that I was going to have the protein in my diet. So, you know, I, I ate it for that day, but the next day you can be sure that I started to cook that meal myself. So I started to cook the chicken breast, the, uh, or the breaded chicken breast, the fish fingers and the vegetarian burgers by themselves. And then eventually I got to a point where I started buying protein powder. I researched it, I found it in Argos catalog and I I got protein powder and then that turned into me having more eggs because I realized eggs had protein in but I've always had that for breakfast and then eventually I bought my own George Foreman grill and I started buying frozen chicken breast because I realized that was leaner it had more protein in so I made sure that despite like my family weren't unsupportive of my goals they just didn't understand they didn't have that concept of what nutrition was and to be fair I didn't I had the right idea of protein I wasn't using the right foods albeit but I had good intentions and it wasn't that they weren't supportive. They thought they were doing what was best for me. I stayed true to what I knew, what I read on online, and I started to pave my own way. So to finish off on that long story is the fact that you've just got to stay true. And now, 10 years later, they wouldn't even question a decision that I make. You know, And I remember there would be times where they would they would always encourage me to go to the gym and stay active. But there'd be times where they'd probably want me to stay at home, do, you know, do some stuff around the house or, you know, they just wouldn't understand why I wanted to go to the gym every day. And I remember my dad come, coming home one day later on, he's like, when I became a personal trainer, he's like, if I knew you were this serious about, you know, about the gym, I would have encouraged you to keep on going and keep on going. So it wasn't that they weren't unsupportive. They just didn't understand. But what happened is through the years that I stayed committed, I pushed, I wanted to achieve something, you know, I kept going to the gym, I kept eating my food, I eventually became a personal trainer, and then they finally understood. So that's the point I'm trying to make here is that people will understand eventually, but you need to practice what you preach. And it's hard, especially if you've never done this in your life before. Um, and I can relate here because I didn't come from a relatively healthy background. No one in my family really knew or did anything health and fitness related prior to me beginning my journey. So I understand what breaking the mold is. And all I can encourage you to do is stay true to your commitment, keep on doing it, and eventually they will get the point. And something else that I also found really useful and just looking back on this is that I didn't really have friends who understood that at the time either. You know, I would actually go to the gym straight after school. I, initially, I didn't actually tell anyone about it. I went to my first training session with a buddy uh, called Jonathan. So shout out to Jonathan if you ever listen to this. And we went together on the first day, but he didn't really come back after that. Uh, but I would just basically, you know, I stopped hanging out with my friends at the school gates. I would literally go home and I would go to the gym and I would keep doing that and keep doing that. But no one really at that age went to the gym. So I was pretty alone in doing that. But what I was able to do is I started watching YouTube videos on uh, health and fitness. You know, I came across people like Scott Herman. I came across people like Steve Cook. I came across people like, I'm just really trying to think of who, Elliot Hulse, those type of people. And I watched their YouTube videos and I watched them religiously. And what that did is it kind of created a little bit of community for me. You know, they weren't real people to me. I wasn't having a conversation. But the fact that they were talking so frequently about health and fitness, it felt Felt like I had people in a support network that understood. I was able to listen to their views, listen to their knowledge, listen to their lifestyles, which were all built around health and fitness. So I was able to create my own inner community within that. 
And that really, really helped at a time where I didn't really have friends who understood what my goals were. Um, and I really, really do think that with time and with your consistent effort, you can get to a place where they support you. And at the end of the day, whether they do or whether they don't, ideally they do, but it just doesn't matter as long as it matters to you, as long as you stay true to that commitment. So that is question number two. I hope I didn't go off on too much of a tangent, but this is exactly what this podcast is all about. So the next question I'm going to go into now is quite time sensitive. Will I still get good results if I continue to train at home? So very good question because if we were all forced into training at home. Gyms shut down and it was, you know, it was quite something, especially being a coach who handled quite a lot of clients, having to handle their, you know, initial overwhelm from the pandemic itself, but also having to handle all the program changes, all the lifestyle changes. I have to say it was pretty challenging. And then on top of that, I had to think about my own training and at the time where the gyms got announced that they were closing, I had no equipment to my name. Um, and I was, you know, I was pretty skeptical about what I could achieve. Of course, I knew that I would get through and do something because of, at the end of the day, I had no choice. You know, it's embedded with my lifestyle to train and exercise. Even if it was a case of I just did bodyweight uh, workouts and I just did running for the three, four, five months, whatever it was going to be, I was okay with that. You know, this is a lifestyle. And at the end of the day, I know that I'm going to be training for the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. So, you know, even if it's a six month period out of the grand scheme of things in my life, it's not a bad thing. So that was my thought process. And if you'd asked me before, you know, last year, should I train at home or could I train at home? I'd be like, you know, I'd be skeptical. I would be. And um, the reason being is that I didn't have a huge wealth of experience of people who trained from home and got very good results. I always think, you know, if you're at the gym, you've got more tools at your disposal. And therefore, if you've got more tools at your disposal, you know, we've got a better opportunity at getting results. It's a more optimal environment. And that, to a degree, is still true. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether you've got the most equipped toolbox in the world if you don't know how to use those tools effectively, right? So, you know, someone with a hammer and a screwdriver who knows how to use those really well might be much more better equipped to do a job with some IKEA furniture versus someone with a whole toolbox who has no idea what they're doing, right? So that's a little bit of an analogy for you. So it all comes back to what is the goal? Like, what is your goal? How long have you been training for before? And how much equipment do you have? So if your goal is just fat loss, and if you are someone who keeps up with the work that I do, if you are a client of mine, then you know that there is a lot that we can do uh, whilst training at home with minimal equipment if your goal is fat loss. Quite often, fat loss, the majority of the time, is about retaining muscle versus building muscle if you're in a calorie deficit you're going to be hard stretched to gain a huge amount of muscle anyway so it all comes down to retention which is just adequately stimulating the muscle fibers and the muscle groups uh, effectively to retain that muscle um, and that doesn't take a huge amount of load it doesn't take a huge amount of machines or extensive range of equipment to do so if you are if you have got a fat loss goal then there's a good chance that you can get away with very little and still achieve that. However, if you have got like goals to be one of the strongest deadlifters you've ever been, you know, maybe you want to deadlift really heavy, maybe you want to squat really heavy, maybe you're a power lifter or an Olympic lifter, then eventually you will run into a roadblock if you don't have enough weight, enough equipment at your disposal to utilize. So for the majority of us, and I assume the majority of us listening are general population and quite a lot of us with fat loss goals as well, if you've got body weight, <laughs> you've got enough. If you've got your body weight and you've got ability to move, you've got enough. If you've got 
dumbbells, then you are in like the top 70% of people who are able to get a result. You know, that it puts you in a much better place. If you have a dumbbell bench and some resistance bands, then you have no, you have a, such a good opportunity to get results. If you have anything closely related to a home gym, then the question isn't even a question. You absolutely have the ability to do so. However, like I said, if you do have muscle building goals, it is going to depend on the amount of weight you have available to you and the amount of equipment you have available to you. But there's a very, very good chance that you will be able to make uh, some incredible progress and get some incredible results. I mean, I've personally achieved quite a few lockdown transformations with uh, a couple of my clients, a few of my clients, and very, very good results as well. I also did my own mini cut during that time just to show what was capable. And in six weeks, I really did achieve a fair amount. Um, and I think that it just goes to show that if you are willing to make that commitment, and you know you are you have you know a decent amount of equipment, whether it's dumbbells or even it's just you know body weight, it can be done. Will I use them moving forward? I'm always going to opt for a gym because I genuinely, I just genuinely enjoy training in the gym. I like the environment. However, I would actually encourage people that if it is working from you, if it is working for you, then I would totally, totally stick with it. You know, if like at the end of the day, you've got to consider a few things, you know, if you're actually more concerned about your safety versus your training, then you might actually be more effective at home because you might be worrying more about washing down the equipment, who's touched the equipment, how close this individual is to you. So if your focus is more on that versus your workout, then there's actually more rationale for you to be training at home versus training in the gym. And just a side note off this is a question that I actually was asked by a couple of clients who actually who are looking into buying gyms. They said, do I see gyms and studios recovering from this in the future? And I genuinely do. And this isn't me just being optimistic or someone who loves gyms and loves studios. I think that definitely we're going to see a lot of people die out, which is, you know, a real shame. Um, especially those gyms who don't have a huge member base, don't make a huge profits and aren't those big commercial gyms. I think that a few of those will die out. However, at the end of the day, I feel like people like having the gym as a bit of an escape. They also like it, having it as something that they can tag on to the end of the workday. And I've noticed towards the back end of this lockdown period, a lot of people are finding, you know, the ability to disconnect from their workspace, home space, gym space, really quite challenging. I think it will encourage a lot more people to train at home, but I also don't think it's going to necessarily make the studios and gyms die out. I think, again, a lot more people will be doing virtual classes, but there will always be a need for a separate environment away from your home where you can exercise effectively. And I think there will be a period, maybe throughout 2021, who knows, maybe just later in 2020, where people will naturally stay at home more and they will do more training at home. But I do feel like the eventual root of this will be people will gradually start going back to the gym. They'll see the benefits of having that separate environment. They'll like the fact that they don't have to set up the equipment. They'll like the fact that they can shower at the gym. They have their, you know, especially in the more luxury gyms as well, where you've got your lockers, you've got your specific classes, you meet your friends. There's always that social aspect and community feel to a gym as well. And that can't die out.
that won't die out. So especially these, um, you know, these studios like Soul Cycle, where they've got, or Barry's, where there's a little bit of like a, a tribe feel to these places. I feel these places will bounce back very, very quickly. And once people go back, they'll see the benefits of having it, and then they will return to it. And I just think it's going to take a little bit of time, but I definitely think it will get there. That is everything from me today. Thank you so much for listening. It's truly been a pleasure. Take care of yourself, and we will speak soon. And that was the Simply Fit Podcast. I hope you gained a huge amount of value from today's episode. I feel inspired to improve your health and well-being. Be sure to search for Simply Fit in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify, or anywhere else you get your podcasts from. And go ahead and subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. Also, if you like the episode, please don't forget to give it a five-star rating. I'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you have. So reach out to me on social media. You'll find me on Facebook and Instagram at Elliot Hassoun. Thank you so much for listening. And I look forward to talking with you all on the next one.